Hello and welcome to the Field Talk podcast from the Linder Farm Network, the voice of Minnesota agriculture. Minnesota farmers are wrapping up the 2022 harvest at a rapid pace, but getting crops to market, including to overseas buyers, could be particularly challenging this fall. Low water levels on many of the nation's inland waterways and the threat of a railroad strike in November are causing jitters through many areas of agriculture. Mike Steenhook is executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. He joined us on this Field Talk podcast to assess the situation and its potential impacts. Well, for farmers to be profitable, it's not just about growing a crop and it's not just about having demand for that crop, whether those, that demand comes from domestic customers or international customers. Profitability for, for soybean farmers and, frankly, for agriculture in general, also depends upon having a multimodal transportation system, an effective supply chain that that serves to connect supply with demand. And these issues are just of such consequence to the industry and for farmers in particular that the decision was made to create an organization focused exclusively on these issues, whether it's a, a rural road and bridge issue that is very relatable to farmers, uh, to highways and interstates, to our inland waterway system, including, you know, which includes barge transportation, our freight rail system, and our ports. And, you know, when your reality as an industry is over half of what is produced by soybean farmers is ultimately exported, it really just underscores the need to have this multimodal system that can cost-effectively, reliably transport those products to those customers. Certainly, farmers are well aware of the need for uh, effectively uh, moving transportation systems, and there's certainly some hiccups in in the uh, uh, the system right now. I guess let's start, you know, first. I guess what's happening with our inland waterways? It's something that we've certainly been hearing a, a bit more about of late. What is the situation there? Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's very sobering, and it and it just becomes more so with each passing day, uh, particularly as we we don't receive any meaningful precipitation feeding into that system. You know, the, the inland waterways, uh, it, it really is a, a, one of the key components of U.S. agriculture's competitiveness. You've got this inventory of navigable waterways, the Mississippi River, the Ohio River, the Illinois River, Arkansas River, et cetera, that penetrate into some of the most productive farm ground on the planet. And so what that has allowed is these farmers located in the middle of the country that are hundreds if not thousands of miles well over a thousand miles removed from our port regions to be able to effectively convey what they grow to export terminals and then on to international customers in a very cost-effective way and it, it and other countries just don't have the system that we have and so it's been a it's it's a real significant reason why U.S. farmers are so competitive and what they grow can reach halfway around the world. But, you know, that's that's true when the system is working as it normally does. And what we're experiencing right now is a significant reduction of water levels throughout the system. It's particularly acute when you're on the Mississippi River south of St. Louis all the way to the, the Gulf of Mexico. And it really has dramatically changed in a negative way the economics of barge transportation um, in, in really in two ways. Number one is the, the channel depth is 
significantly less than what, what it normally is. The, what, you, what that results in is you cannot afford to load those barges to, the, to its full capacity, so you don't have as much revenue-producing freight per barge. And, you know, these, these you know, water levels um, and, and water depth allowances, you know, have dropped two feet, three feet, uh, from what it normally is. And for every foot of water depth that you lose, you're able to load 5,000 fewer bushels of soybeans. Again, that's per foot. So if you've got, you know, two feet, that's 10,000 bushels. If you're at three feet, you're at 15,000 bushels. And for one barge, you, you normally get at least 50,000, a lot of times north of that, uh, bushels per barge. So that, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 reduction is quite notable. Uh, for the efficiency and the economics of barge transportation. So it affects water depth, but also affects water width. Um, with less water on these rivers, you have a narrower shipping channel, um, and then that results in you no longer being able to lash or connect so many of these barges together to form one unit that then moves together down to an export facility in the New Orleans area. So typically, if you're at St. Louis on south, you will routinely see 30 barges, 35, even 40 barges, all lashed together, moving as a unit. The maximum allowance right now, due to the channel width limitations, is 25. So again, that's a, that's a big change. And so you're, you're seeing this continue to become more pronounced. And... Um, barge loading facilities on the rivers are not are less able to accept deliveries from farmers because they can't move product out their back door as they normally do. So they're less willing to accept product via their front door. So this is something that, that really is quite significant. It could not come at a worse time uh, given that we're in the midst of harvest season. There's, there's healthy demand for what farmers grow, but we're unfortunately not as efficiently able to get it from point A to point B. Is that putting pressure on other systems? Obviously, you mentioned that uh, folks can't necessarily ship as much down the river as they normally would. So are they looking for other alternatives such as rail? And, and how is that impacting movement of grain? Yeah, farmers are having to make some choices right now. They're, uh, for some farmers that have available storage on their farm, a lot of them are just electing to do that and hoping for a more opportune time when water levels have, have refreshed a bit. Uh, but then other farmers, they may not have available storage on their farm, and so they are electing, you know, instead of normally they drive, say, 25 miles to the Mississippi River and are able to load there, they may have to drive longer distances, 75 miles, 100 miles, even beyond that, to access a facility that has rail uh, service um, serving it, or looking for a a soybean processor, or if you're on the corn side, maybe it's an ethanol plant. So a lot of these farmers are asking themselves, well, what, what are the alternatives that I have? And, and for some farmers in certain pockets of the country, they have multiple ones. So they're better positioned to weather this, this, this dilemma. But then there's other farmers, they don't have as many of those options. You know, they, they just, you know, driving it, trucking it to the river is really their their main option. So those are farmers that are really going to feel this more acutely than some others. But you know, the net result is all of these alternatives that farmers are exploring 
it's not the optimal way they normally do business. So there's always an additional cost. There's always an additional inconvenience. And so when you've got these kind of supply chain disruptions, what it does effectively does is it drops one big additional cost into our food delivery system. And, you know, this is not a, this is not a good time for that. You know, we've got supply chain challenges overall. Um, you know, right now our freight rail system is, is not operating as it normally does. Um, and, and so they're not, the, the freight rail industry is not exactly an effective lifeline right now. A lot of, you know, farmers and agricultural shippers are, are exploring, you know, options for rail. And some of them will be able to tap into that and use that successfully, but then others, it, it, it's going to be quite limited. So we don't have this ability to just transfer, transfer all of the, these bushels onto another mode of transportation like, like rail, not even truck, without additional costs, without additional inconvenience. So this is a, it's a real challenging time. Now we also have the specter of a potential rail strike. I know it was uh, averted in September and uh, one of the unions voting on uh, what had been um, compromised or reached as a compromise uh, has rejected that. Several others still voting. Um, that also comes at uh, pretty poor timing, I would, I would expect, if something were to be disrupted in terms of uh, rail service serving uh, you know, the rural U.S. and moving grain. See, it comes at a very unhelpful time and this is a time that we need as much as possible rail service to improve we do not need it to take a step backward and this rejection by this particular union to not accept the terms of that tentative agreement um, it really created some agitation within the agricultural industry and, and the broader economy and one of the things I really try to underscore is so the, the, this particular union and the railroads have returned to the negotiating table and there's not a potential for a strike until November 19th. Well, some can say, well, that's, you know, you know a month, uh, five weeks into, into the future. Well, the reality is in agriculture, those who ship agricultural products, they don't wake up in the morning deciding where they're going to ship their soybeans and their corn today. They don't wake up in the morning deciding, am I going to ship via Railroad A or Railroad B? What they're deciding today is what they're going to be shipping next month, two months from now. You've got to have, for agriculture to work, for the whole agricultural supply chain to work, you've got to have this kind of lead time. You've got to be able to have this forecast about what service will be like, and then you make those decisions accordingly. So you've got to have this lead time. So the fact that there is this potential um, for a strike next month is really a cause of concern. So you can have a, a, a halt to economic activity, clearly, when there is a railroad strike, but you can even have a halt of economic activity when there's even a threat of a railroad strike. So this is something that um, we're very glued into and leaning into and really going to be engaging our policymakers to, to make sure that this, this is something that needs to be taken off the table. We, we believe that railroad workers, we believe that the railroads should be able to negotiate and really hash it out. And you know, we're not taking sides between those two parties. 
um, you know, we, we want there to be an agreement that benefits both the railroad workers and, and railroads. It won't be perfect, but something that benefits both sides. But what's most important for agriculture and the broader economy is to not have this looming uncertainty that's on the horizon because that is really going to have additional consequence to our industry, particularly when you've got problems with the inland waterway system. Timing is poor, as you know, most of the uh, the products that a lot of ag uh, processors move or uh, elevators move happens largely from now until the first part of winter, you know, March, April, things like that. So I'm sure the timing is uh, is very challenging. Yeah, you know, for for soybeans, it's it's particularly concerning because. You know, 80% of our exports occur between the months of September and February. Now we have this kind of a, a, a cycle that that happens in the global soybean trade between the U.S. and Brazil and South and, and Argentina, the South American competitors. And because of the fact that they are located south of the equator, their planting and growing season is just the inverse of ours. So they harvest in er, early in the calendar year in February and March and April. Uh, that's the time when we plant, and, and when they plant, we harvest. So this is the time of the year when, when in terms of the global soybean trade, that the U.S. soybean spigot gets turned on, and we're the main supplier for the global marketplace. And then when we hit early next year, February, March, April, the U.S. spigot gets turned off, the South American spigot gets turned on. So we don't really have... Yes, you can store, and and yes, you can still market and sell soybeans well throughout next year. A lot of farmers do it. A lot of grain handlers do it. But given the fact that this is really game time for the U.S. soybean industry, we're just kind of limited in our ability to simply say, well, we'll just store today, and then we'll just sell tomorrow. There's only, There's a limit to how much we can avail ourselves of that because this is really the critical time for the U.S. soybean industry. So obviously a lot for uh, you and other folks uh, interested in the uh, transportation sector, a lot a lot to keep an eye on at this point. It is, and it, and it really does have impact on farmer profitability. And you know, a lot of these transportation issues, the temptation is to, to kind of regard them as you know, hypothetical, theoretical, what, what is it, how does it impact me specifically? Well, what we're seeing, you know, with the challenges of the inland waterway system, all of these loading facilities, these barge loading terminals, you're seeing the price that farm that's offered to farmers go more negative, or that the term basis being widened, and so that's so this has real practical application to a farmer's wallet. That because our supply chain is not operating as efficiently, those farmers who are selling into that spot market are being offered a lower price, not because the quality of their soybeans or their grain has, has diminished, not because demand has changed, but just simply because transportation is not as efficient as it normally is. So again, infrastructure has a real practical, local, tangible impact on a farmer profitability. Thanks for listening. Find more podcasts at linderfarmnetwork.com and get the latest news and farm market information from your local Linder Farm Network affiliate.